Well, well, welcome to Lab Life with the Air Force Research Laboratory. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Kenneth. Hello, Lab Life listeners. Today we're speaking to Saber Tome, an attorney in our judge advocate office, about internships, opera, and the wild journey your career can take you on. In three, two, one. Saber, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michelle and Kenneth. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here today. It's uh, kind of a crazy story why you're here. It's basically because you and I had a random conversation kind of in the hallway one day. We didn't really know each other that well. And I found out that you were a trained opera singer. Yes. No. And and I, uh, from an early age, uh, realized that I was musically talented and played several, played several instruments and decided that I wanted to uh, take vocal lessons. And so... My grandmother made that happen, found me a vocal coach. Her name was Ann Keppel. She's, she was from Tip City, an amazing woman. Um, and I trained with her for approximately four to five years. And so, yeah, classically trained vocalist and uh, did a little bit of opera singing. Nothing, you know, on no operatic performances per se, uh, mostly I would sing in churches and local theater, and the opera singing was uh, during the lesson time and during my practice time. So, for our listeners, we don't have a lot of opera singers at AFRL. <laughs> but, uh, That's true. <laughs> but what, what, why I thought that was exciting. So, Sabre actually works in our um, law office as an attorney, and she, we're going to talk about her journey to get to that point, but, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, as a communicator, like, I'm doing cool videos, how to explain science, and mm-hmm. we have this, like, really cool anechoic chamber, sound chamber, for lack for a better term, um, in our sensors area, and how cool would it be to have her sing in there, because um, it could be, like, one of the quietest places on the planet, you know, that, not, not, Guinness certified, but it's a very, very quiet place. So what would it sound like to have her sing in that space? And then you end up getting to do that, right? I did. Yeah. And that so that was a phenomenal opportunity. And I appreciate you, Michelle, for bringing that opportunity to me. And it was the Anaco Chamber. It was sort of otherworldly when you walk into it for people listening who don't know what an Anaco Chamber looks like. You should Google it. And we'll hopefully have our video out, too. Yeah, yeah that's, we'll link to that's it. That's true. The, yeah. So the video will give a, probably a better um, perspective of it than just a picture online. But walking into it, I mean, it is, it's sort of, you feel like you're in a sci-fi movie, right? And so so I already feel, you know, I walk in there, I feel like I'm, you know, walking onto a sci-fi movie set. And then, you know, here I am, I'm going to sing an opera song, you know, an aria, an Italian Right, yeah, because you're this walking in this anechoic chamber. I mean, it's a huge like warehouse, like padded it's, with like or, uh, f- blue it's like foam huge cones. Yeah, so you yeah, feel like, like you're in a sea of foam. Yeah, that's a good. That's a yes. good explanation. It's weird because it almost the sound itself when you walk in almost swallows you. It, you, you hear yes. it. I mean, audibly, very, very different. And when they close the door in, like you are, it's almost like you're in a tube. It's weird. It, <laughs> it's it, very it, quiet. It, it was a. It's disturbingly s- silent. Yes. Yeah, and Kenneth, to your point, when the doors close, so that's the moment of, you know, it kind of takes your breath. (laughs) And then I thought, oh, no, I have to to sing in Italian, (laughs) you know, in this, and I haven't done any opera singing in many years. So I thought, okay, this is going to be a stretch. Uh, And it was, but it was phenomenal opportunity. And I hope listeners watch the video because it, it will, 
it's just astounding to think yes. that we have these facilities here in, in AFRL. And Michelle and Kenneth, I, I think your team, you do an awesome job of, of showcasing the amazing facilities that we have here. And I, and I think with the, the opera singing with that is a way to, it's a novel way to show listeners, viewers, what we do instead of just some technical video. Of, oh yeah, here's the anechoic chamber and you know, shots of the anechoic chamber. And I think the, the singing made it come alive. Oh yeah. Sure. It's science. It's alive as you can come in a sound free. Oh, sure. Tune. But I mean, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it's science communication. You kind of try to make it fun or yes. un- understandable. Cause you know, we're, you know, sound waves in that anechoic chamber, we're actually looking at radar waves and patterns and, you know, lots of, you know, things smart scientists and engineers can explain in the video like um, Brittany does. But, uh, yeah, so your hidden talent kind of morphed into you actually helping directly with explaining some science, which was really cool. Yeah, and, and thrilled to be a part of that. So now we can probably, like, talk a little bit, you know, how how, how did I even get to AFRL, you know, a trained yeah. opera singer? Um, but what was your first introduction to the Air Force Research Laboratory? Yeah, so I, I was a non-traditional student. So I, I owned a business for about 10 years, decided to go back to uh, college, pursue my undergraduate degree. The industry that I was working in had changed. The climate had changed, and it was time to move on from that. And so I was working my way through my undergraduate degree, and uh, a friend of mine who spent her career working here at Wright-Patterson, she's now since retired, uh, she came to me when she when she realized that I was getting uh, an undergraduate degree in biology, and she came to me and said, have you ever thought about internships and interning for the Air Force Research Laboratory or for the you know Air Force in general? But she said, more specifically, because of your earning your undergraduate degree in biology, I think you'd be a perfect fit uh, to intern with the Air Force Research Laboratory. And I thought, what is the Air Force Research Laboratory? <laughs> yeah, I, I had... Sure. No perspective of what that even was. No con- well, no context of what that was. So did some research, realized what it was, and thought, I'm not qualified. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way I could go work for the Air Force Research Laboratory. So uh, she said, I think you need to submit your resume to the Oak Ridge uh, Institute of Science and Education application process for undergraduate research internship opportunities for the human performance wing at the Air Force Research Laboratory. So I did that. Lo and on a, I thought, I'm never going to get this. right. Lo and behold, I did. Uh, an opportunity was available for me to be an Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education, or ORISE. You'll sure. hear that. I'm going to use that acronym because it's much shorter than saying it. And we have a link on afresearchlab.com for more information on ORISE, too. Yes. Yes. So I was offered an opportunity to be an ORISE undergraduate research intern for the Human Performance Wing's Institutional Review Office. And so the Institutional Review Office is sort of the, the compliance arm for the Human Performance Wing in their human subjects research. And the institutional review reviews all of the human subjects research protocols 
and approves or or not those protocols and monitors the human subjects research protocols and subjects underneath those protocols and phenomenal opportunity to be introduced to the Air Force Research Laboratory. Yeah, you, oh, oh, you probably got to hear about a lot of different potential research in that program too. I okay. did, and that I so I ended up in a unique place in AFRL because, as you said, Michelle, I was introduced to research from sort of a high-level perspective of here's what's going on across the human performance wing rather than being focused on or working on one specific project. And so for me, it was a, it was a great fit. Sure. And yeah. I, I met a lot of people that way, learned an enormous amount, which was good because I knew nothing about the Air Force, the Air Force Research Laboratory. So it, it was it was the right place for me. Yeah. So, and I imagine some of those different testing, it could be anything from, you know, an exercise regimen to nutrition to psychological or in, interfacing with robots. I have no idea. There's probably all kinds of things that you got to see during, during that. Yeah. Wide variety of testing yeah. and research that goes on. And it's, it, it's astounding the level of research that things that we accomplish here in, in AFRL overall. Yeah, absolutely. We've had some uh, human performance wing guests on here talk yes, about some of the, the cool stuff they're doing. So, And do you feel, uh, kind of like looking at that as a whole with ORISE, do you feel that wider scope is important, especially working in the DOD or with AFRL, to understand kind of what's happening even in one wing? Because you mentioned kind of mm-hmm. focusing down to just one task may not have given mm-hmm. you the full scope it, of uh, what it gave you. No, and it, and it wouldn't have. And and yes, I think I think you're, you're right in that the opportunity for ORISE, because Mine was a unique opportunity for ORISE because most students who are offered internships through ORISE are doing research sure, in a lab. You're a biologist, you think? I, I'm yes. picturing you in front of a microscope or with some test tubes or some things. What you know? It's in my mind. So, yeah, so actually, bench level research. Yeah. Um, and so, for me, co- going into it, I was just thrilled and thankful to be to have been offered an opportunity so I didn't know what that meant what the institutional review even was I had to research that and so I think for some students who know that they want to be a bench level researcher or they have an area of science that they're focused on and they know they want to go on and get a master's or PhD and stay focused in that area the bench level research would be more beneficial for them. And, but for me, because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do ultimately, mm-hmm. ending up where I ended up was perfect. Yeah. So what was that yeah. transition? Because like we, you know, earlier we said, mentioned that you're a lawyer and you yeah, told surprise. us that you, that you studied in <laughs> biology, which probably isn't, it might be like a great mix for our organization when you think about the type of uh, law you probably have to interpret and think about and how it applies to our scientists and engineers. But how did you get from biologist to present day? So as I was uh, completing my undergraduate degree and I'd spent over a year working in the institu- institutional review and then I was ultimately ended up working in the biosurity office, 
which is the biosafety and biosecurity office for uh, the Air Force, and it falls under the institutional review because the biosecurity office is a compliance office for all the biological laboratories here at um, at Wright Patterson, and so ended up working through ORISE in the biosecurity office and <clears throat> was introduced working on a project to technology transfer. I was working on a material transfer agreement and some legal issues that arose during the negotiations of the material transfer agreement. And so I was introduced to the technology transfer office in the human performance wing and John Schutte and Jim Kearns who work in the technology transfer office in the human performance wing and started learning more about what they did and then I was introduced to some of the patent attorneys that work for the Air Force. Because in tech transfer, basically, you have, <clears throat> I guess, something the Air Force people have created, right? And then we're transferring it outside outside the fence, outside the, the military to be commercialized, for lack of a better word? or Yeah, or the other way around. So okay. there's something that we want from industry or academia that we want to bring in and develop. Okay, so both ways. In collaboration with the original developers, right? So that could be industry, academia... Uh, but typically, yeah, it's we want to partner with small business, industry, academia to uh, glean from them their wisdom their, and, and use their brains and products and collaborate with us so that we can further develop a technology. Okay, something that may have had like a commercial application um, I'm thinking like fitness trackers, but there's also a military application that we may not have done either. I mean, that's probably really dumbed down, but I was trying to explain it. Yeah, so, and I can I can give you an example of something that, that when I worked, and I'm jumping ahead here, but when I worked in the technology transfer office, something that we worked on with industry was, and what you're talking about, to further develop something for the warfighters, and that was the cooling inserts that were developed, created by research, the exercise physiology research team at USAF SAM here okay. at, in AFRL. It's the cooling inserts for uh, undergarment shirts that are to help avoid heat-related illness while in hot, humid conditions. So when our warfighters are deployed and extreme environments, environments. Yeah. it helps keep them cool. Gotcha. And, yeah. That's really cool. I could Prevent use that working out. Heat-related illness, right. So that was um, developed here at USAF SAM, but we needed a way to make those inserts less bulky, more lightweight. Mm -hmm. And so what the technology transfer office did was to help identify a company that would be willing to do that development. Okay. And so then we entered into a, a cooperative research and development agreement, or CRADA, with that Galwe Healthcare, that company, to develop a s smaller cooling technology that could then be, you know, prototype manufactured for the field. Okay, I think that gives our listeners a good idea of what tech transfer was, or like the office that you moved into. Yeah. So um, that's a real life yeah. example of something that we actually worked on. And it has to feel great seeing a product from almost start to finish, seeing it being the R&D going behind it, find the people to help make it to get out to the market. 
and helping be that connector. Yeah, it's exciting because you actually see somebody's invention, idea, and passion for what they do. You're able to step in, help them move that to the next level. And I was going to um, mention as well, with this process, uh, learning with the ORISE program and kind of working with the AFRL with, like you mentioned, anything from researchers to just understanding different uh, programs going mm-hmm. on here. Did that kind of help guide the conversation, knowing how these people, uh, even speaking their language or understanding how the process works to help push this out later on? Absolutely. Yeah, so having started in the institutional review, having a sort of a broad understanding of the researchers in human performance wing and what they were working on, where the uh, focus areas were for research helped me moving into tech transfer understand sort of the hot issues or the focus areas and the places where we needed to be focusing our time in the human performance wing tech transfer office and devoting our time and energy to. So yeah, I think having that You have to have that 10,000-foot view Mm -hmm. to be able to execute appropriately. Speaking of other programs you took part in, um, something that we saw that you uh, also uh, went through in your journey here was the Pathways program. Yeah. How did this connect into the story? Right. So Michelle was asking me, how did I end up as an attorney? So I was talking about met the technology transfer uh, folks and patent attorneys and decided, hey, I have a business background. I enjoy working with people. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy being uh, a collaborator and facilitator, connector. And so I think I should go to law school because that could, that degree, that experience can take me many places. And so uh, realizing that I was going to go on and, and after I was accepted to law school, realized, okay. I would love the opportunity to move into a tech transfer office role because that would be the experience that I would need more legal on the legal end, uh, working agreements, drafting agreements, working negotiations with companies and academia, and then working with patent attorneys to uh, define the terms of the tech transfer agreement. So that's when I made the move to the Pathways program, which is uh, a civilian program for uh, students at all levels to find out what it's like to work for the federal government while they're going through school. And, you know, upon graduation, if you decide this is where I want to stay, then you'd be offered a full-time position with the federal government. So... It's a, it, the Pathways program is a, is a wonderful exploratory opportunity because you set your hours, right? So, you know, I worked part-time through law school and gained a wealth of knowledge and met many people who were instrumental in guiding me to where I am now and realized that I want to stay here. And this is where I want to be. But it gave me the time to explore that. I mean, the real time. Absolutely. You know, not just working a couple summers. And, I, and, and O-Rise offers those type of internships as well. And I think those are uh, good opportunities. Get in the door, right? Get your foot in the door. Get your feet wet. 
but I think when you're really trying to understand what you want to do with your life and what type of where you want to go with your career, it's better to have that long-term opportunity. Yeah. Well, and it provides some balance too. I think Pathways assist with the college expense too. Uh, not always. No, it, but it yeah, can. It, it, yeah, it's it's uh, program dependent. Okay. So uh, office dependent. Okay, so they're like that potential and that, that they work with your schedule too. As a full-time law student would be crazy to you, be a full-time employee too. <laughs> yes. So you flex your schedule depending on your semester. So it can okay. it changes depending on your course load. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but you're still offered all the benefits uh, of being a civilian employment. A civilian employee. Yeah. Right. And you mentioned with the program, they give you a specific office to work with, or do you, you bounce around and kind of find what the best feel is? No. So the Pathways program is the internship program. So the Pathways program is actually three different programs fall under Pathways. Oh, okay. It's the, the, there's the internship program, which I was a part of. There's the recent graduate program. And then there's the presidential management fellowship program. Uh, I was part of the internship program. And so... You are assigned to a career field, an office, and you work in that office and accomplish tasks in that office just like the other employees. I mean, at a lighter load and, you know, less... Well, it's appropriate for your experience level. Yeah. So they start you off, you know, learning and then they build your workload and experience. Yeah, you're growing, you're developing. Yeah. yeah. As a developmental opportunity. Yeah, trying so, to make so, sure it's the right fit, and it looks like it worked out very well on your part. Yeah, it did. So, yeah, but different than the O-Rise, which is a little bit more experimental, mm-hmm. and the ability to move from project to project, where the Pathways is, this is your office. You know, I was assigned to work technology transfer for the human performance wing, and that's what I did. And kind of connecting those two then, we kind of mentioned it before, but with the broader scope, at least in your perspective, of like how O-Rise worked for you and kind of focused down to pathways, mm-hmm. do you see it's a unique path you took, literally pathways, but do you feel like both those experiences really were instrumental in bringing you here or kind of helped you find the perfect job for yes. yourself? Yes, and I'm fortunate in that I was able to explore yeah. what I wanted to do through these through the two programs, the O-Rise and the Pathways. And had I not started off in O-Rise, one, I would have had no idea that there was even a Pathways program available. That's very true. Uh, because as I was an O-Rise student, I was learning about all these other programs, internship programs that were available. And then had I not taken the O-Rise internship opportunity, I would not have ended up in law school. And, and now so, you're in our, our legal department, or JA, is like we call it here. Yes. So yeah. What's your day-to-day like there, or what's a, a project that you're really proud of? We, we're sort of a general law office here in headquarters AFRL JA, and so we see a lot of issues, and, and you know, it's anything from reviewing technology transfer agreements to random questions about contracts, contract disputes, um, personnel issues, um, to, you know, could, could you help me figure out how I need to, you know, get this done or we assist people in making connections. Um, but I'm in my, in my role, I'm offered the opportunity to 
strategically develop some programs for AFRL. And one of those is the patent agent pilot program or patent agent intellectual property training program that been working with University of Dayton School of Law under an education partnership agreement with between AFRL and University of Dayton School of Law to create a portfolio of intellectual property training and, for scientists and engineers. And why do they need to know that? Yeah, so intellectual property is important. Most companies value their their company on their intellectual property portfolio. So understanding intellectual property, strategically managing our intellectual property portfolio is critically important to the future of uh, sustaining our ability to be the best at what we do. So for our viewers, or listeners, I should say, uh, what does that kind of look like from your day-to-day? Do you actively try to make sure that these properties, like you see something maybe breaching a patent or trying to make sure patents uh, stand or purview, or what do you do with those? Yeah, so it's, it's really looking at, so, you know, families of patents and have more value, right, than maybe standalone patents typically. And so understanding where our patent portfolio, our Air Force patent portfolio, uh, where's the commercialization value? So who do we need to be reaching out to small business industry to work with to commercialize our technologies to then bring those back to the warfighter? Right. At Um, a reasonable cost. Yeah. Yeah, because we're we're inventing things, but they don't need to just, quote, sit on a shelf. The, the idea or the, the patent. Yeah, and that's tech transfer it, at its very essence is getting the inventions, intellectual property of DOD or federal laboratories in general out to the public. So a lot of this is, like you were saying, Michelle, is like you see this, uh, like say, patent or family patents that comes through saying, okay, we clearly see the vision for this family. Let's see mm-hmm. who can make this yes. happen, make this dream come yes. true. Yes, yes. And so it's finding the right partner, someone who has the passion and the, uh, you know, it's one thing to have the passion, but you also have to have the ability to make it happen. And working with them to secure a patent license agreement. And then they, that company will then take uh, our intellectual property and use it to develop the patent, techno- you know, the technology into something that can be useful. Yeah, and we have like our Battlesite Technologies podcast episode for our listeners if they haven't listened to that one yes, yet. Look forward to it. <clears throat> yeah, they can, um, you know, they can listen to how we took like a, lack of a better word, a a glow stick crayon and from from the lab to to industry and then the warfighters end up using it as it's commercialized but yes you're you're on the back end to like yeah. make that happen from a legal perspective and then educating like our scientists and engineers on kind of that space that they'll assist in i yeah. guess yeah so it's the pro- the program with university of dayton school of law is is designed specifically for scientists and engineers to understand identify and learn the value of intellectual property and then what to do with that. Yeah, that's great. And, Definitely and a skills gap. It, oh, yeah. it is, it, yeah. And so 
sort of to bridge that that gap in um, their understanding of of why intellectual property is important. I mean, we talk about it, we hear about it. Patents are important; they hear about it. But I think understanding the why behind what you're doing will help them, uh, I guess, really understand uh, the importance of what they're doing. Sure. Well, and it's not part, I mean, you're, you're a biologist. That was not part of your training to, no, to know no, how to it's do a that. Separate, so. Well, it's a separate, it's a business training, really. Sure, it's yeah. a separate focus area. But it should be something that we all working in working in a laboratory have a general knowledge of. That's great. And something you um, mentioned earlier with pathways and going through really our entire talk here, um, you mentioned a lot about the the interactions you have with people. A lot of these opportunities you can build just by speaking with folks. Mm -hmm. uh, can you kind of talk about how that's influenced your work here and how important it is to keep communications kind of at the head? Yeah. So I, I'm a communicator. I believe in in having conversations with people and really listening to people. Uh, and, and I'm a firm believer in telling people what you want. Um, if, you know, if you, there's something that you want, there's something that you want to go after. The worst thing that somebody can tell you is no. And at the end of the day, that's really not that big of a deal. Right if somebody does tell you no. So why not put yourself out there and just ask for what you want? And that's been my guiding principle really throughout my life is if there's something that I want to go after and there's something that I want to do, just go for it. Just be willing to take that risk. And it does, you do have to put yourself out there a little bit and it is uncomfortable even sometimes talking to new people. It can be hard. That, that honestly, can be, yeah. yeah well, I mean, it's Kenneth's whole job. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, I can get nervous. I mean, you never know. It's hard to make that connection sometimes, especially if it's someone, like you mentioned, fresh. Like, what do you have in common? What, what can you talk about? You have to go and find out. Yeah, and I think even, so it, it's starting with, yeah, your colleague that you don't know very well. Find out they're a trained opera singer. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and, 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 and then getting to sing in an Anacoke chamber, and here I am. So just connecting with people. And so you, you know, start small, and then by the time you're ready to ask for something big, then you're ready. Right. You know, because you've, you're practiced in communicating and telling people your story and, and what you believe in and, and you know, your vision. What, what is your vision for your life and what do you want to go after? And being able to ask for that. Yeah, and something you mentioned uh, even before we started recording is being able to draw on those people either when you an opportunity arises. Yes. Let's say something for like this pilot or the uh, patent agent, uh, the pilot program. Yes. You yeah. Need the right people to pull in for the job because you talk to them. Right. It's just knowing who, knowing who's out there, knowing and and having a network of people that you can draw on, and you never know where it's going to take you. You never know where one conversation, right, that's how I ended up here, that's how I ended up working with University of Dayton School of Law, and now we have, you know, four projects in the work, different levels of training for scientists and engineers that we're going to be pitching to the Department of Defense, and so it's... Yeah. It's amazing where one conversation can lead. Yeah. And, and 
And, I mean, to close, then I can just really ask you, do you want to take our final question, or do you just want to sing a little Italian for us? Yeah. Like, in a, in a <laughs> it's a I'm, I'm, not, I'm not warmed up. <laughs> yeah, warmed yeah, up. That's okay. Good excuse, fine. <laughs> take it away, Kenneth, the last question. So we have our um, uh, a nice last question we'd like to wrap things up with um, is, do you have a favorite uh, technology or researcher in Air Force history that you'd like to tell us about? Yeah, so I think in human performance wing and, some, and to highlight some research and researchers – uh, here at Wright-Patterson in the technology that they invented, the Battlefield Assisted Trauma Distributed Observation Kit, so otherwise known as BatDoc. It's, it's a cool name. It is. It's software that runs on smartphones or devices, and it collects real-time patient information uh, from a variety of sensors at the point of injury. To And, and this technology, the BatDoc technology, can help administer critical care and integrate patient data for all of our healthcare providers working on patients yeah. in the field. Yeah, I mean, we just mm-hmm. really had a C-17. I don't know if it'll pick up on the sound. We had a C-17 flyover <laughs> right then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, Pat. So, you know, like... Uh, you hear it, exclusive. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, they're, they're doing aeromedical evacuations from the field, but yes. they might not know... Um, the they're patient, just a plane again. Yeah, but the <laughs> patient on the ground and then getting the patient yeah. in the plane. It's not There's like a lapse mind. in and gathering data from the patient and that could that could knowing that could save somebody's life yeah it's not like when you're in the hospital and like they've got your file or they they scan your bracelet or whatever it's kind of what we're trying to do but in the field through an app that they this bat doc software can help us know about that and um, monitor consistently from field to airplane to hospital and so i'm really proud of that technology, the Human Performance Wing Technology Transfer Office, was instrumental in working uh, software license agreements with the BatDoc team and getting that software out to other agencies to use. And so that's a real-life story of a technology that, an Air Force technology that I'm proud of and proud to have been Part of. Part of. Yeah. That's no, awesome. Absolutely. It's an incredible piece of technology yeah. that we should be very proud of. That's awesome. It is. Yeah. We'll have to get so. Bad Talk on here to talk. Yes, seriously. Yeah, you <laughs> should. Yeah. We'll have to do that. Well, thanks for joining us today. Well, yeah, thank thanks you. for having me. Make sure to follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube at AF Research Lab. And remember, stay curious. Logging off.